welcome to the Self-Help Podcast, a weekly no-nonsense guide dedicated to your emotional health and well-being. Presented by entrepreneur Edward Lamb and psychotherapist Sean Orford. For more information, visit liveinthepresent.co.uk. Okay, hello, welcome to episode 455 of the Self-Help Podcast with me, Ed Lamb, and my good pal, Sean Orford. How are you doing, Sean? I'm doing okay. Martin Brighton, how are you doing? Uh, is this my my chance to say I've not been well? Jeez. Yeah, yeah I mean, I tested positive for COVID a few, three or four weeks ago and uh, not a, no, no idea, felt absolutely fine. And then now I've got a bit of a heavy cold and I feel awful. So actually, I'm on, I'm on the mend though. I'm on the mend. Maybe you've got long COVID or Oof. kind of medium COVID or something. Maybe. I mean, yeah, I need to do another test, to be honest, just to double check that. Maybe I didn't have it a few weeks ago and I have now, so I will do that before I go out tomorrow because I've got a, a meeting schedule, but I'm okay. But yeah, flipping. I mean, we'll, we could do it. We're not talking about health particularly today, but yeah, I'm so used to being well all the time. And I, I assume and I hope that a lot of people are the same, that when even the mildest illness kind of comes across you, yeah, it can like, it really does knock you, doesn't it? You're like, oh, flipping heck, this is, this is so annoying. This is frustrating. <laughs> As yeah. opposed to people that are really, really suffering and just getting on with it. Yeah, well, we have done. We have, again, we're not talking about that specifically today, but uh, there are people that live in constant pain, aren't there? And they kind of yeah. get used get used to it. And uh, yeah. like, hats off to those guys, flipping heck. Um, yeah, amazing. And even might even have a sense <laughs> of humour about it, which is what we're talking about today, really. And we're trying to we're trying to put a smile on people's faces because it's. <laughs> Well, not just my illness. I'm sure people aren't too worried about that. But yeah, <laughs> in the in the UK, we just seem to we're onto our third named storm of the week, <laughs> with yellow, orange, and red uh, weather warnings. You know, it's just it's, we're just getting battered at the moment, aren't we? The, the, on the um, uh, news thing earlier on on the bead, there was um, they were talking to a guy from the mess office, and um, he was saying. They're talking about naming storms. And he said they've never, ever named a storm Gladys. <laughs> I don't know why, but maybe we need storm Gladys. Because it's always male, female, male, female, isn't the way they... Right, is that how they do it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, but they've never had a storm Gladys. Yeah. Named. I remember seeing a comedian once say that they, they should they should give them by their real names, like Storm Certain Death or something like that. Or, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, just to kind of really... Ram the message home, but yeah, it's flipping it. Well, we've lost a, a concrete post in the garden, in the, between the fences overnight. But apart from that, you shouldn't shouldn't complain too much. But yeah, it's been quite a crazy time, hasn't it? Mm. Yeah, we've lost a couple of tiles off the roof, but that's about it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, not serious. But... Well, no, I mean, it only takes one to kind of lodge, create a bit of a hole, and then we've got another storm due on Wednesday or Thursday, I think. So yeah, yeah. get things patched up, eh? Yeah. Um, Lots of yeah. fun. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Should we crack on with the episode? Because if you had a, yeah. a, an email from someone that they wanted to be made, helped and uh, made to smile. Someone, someone said to me, "I am so bloody miserable. I've had such a rotten time. Can you do a blog that's going to make me smile?" And that really it kind of made me laugh because what was I thinking? You know, you and I start telling jokes or um, start <laughs> mooning on online. You know, I mean, like, what is it? It's going to make make people laugh and I was thinking about it and it's like we have such strange ideas about what makes people happy 
um, what makes people feel good. You know, um, we we know that when you smile, it it takes uh, like quite only a few muscles to smile, but it takes a lot of muscles to frown. Now, it's much more effort to frown than it is to smile. And if you smile, even if you don't feel like it, you've got to fake it to make it. It sends messages to your brain saying that things are okay and increases the happy endorphins. So if you look in the mirror and you smile, not only do you feel good because you're smiling, but visually you see a face in the mirror that's smiling as well, so you get a double bang. Nice. You know? So smiling is quite important. Even if you don't feel like it, do it. We are um, very, I mean, we're, we're, we are unique creatures uh, in many ways, human beings, aren't we? Uh, endlessly fascinating, but... Yeah, I was, uh, we've got a little puppy, Cooper, who's not around right now. I don't know where he's disappeared off to, but he's quite a happy little chappy Cooper. You know, he, he, like, he likes, he's a pretty typical little puppy. He's kind of, you can tell he's happy a lot of the time. But when you take a photo of him, which we try and do uh, every now and again, he looks quite sad in the photos. His face, he has kind of a, a sad kind of face, even though we know or we think that he's quite a happy little, little soul. Whereas humans, we, we kind of, it's, we can't hide our expressions, can we? Or we can't, it, mm. or you, you can tell when someone is happy. Even if someone is smiling, you can sometimes tell that it's not, that, that behind the smile, there's, there's a kind of deeper sadness going on, isn't there? But, but they smile with the lower half of their face and they smile with their eyes. If you go, that's different, isn't it? To actually, you know, the eyes as well. Um, and very often the false smile is just using the lower half of your face. Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously people that are good con artists um, uh, have learned the body language tricks you know, to pull people in. Um, we know that if you open your eyes like that, you're much more welcoming if you raise your eyebrows. You know, whereas if you close your eyes down, then you're, you're forbidding. No, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, fascinating. But we're going to talk you doing your blog post a little bit about what we need to be happy. So um, you, start, you start with money, actually. So how come you started with that one? Because if you say to people, what would really make you happy? They say, I win the lotto. And then it's always the million. You know, and it's like, uh, I, I don't know why it's a million and not 999,000. You no, know, it's like, it's a million. Um and my, I mean, yeah, okay, if you've got enough dogs so you haven't got to worry about things, you know, that takes a lot of pressure off. We know at the moment a lot of people are in kind of fuel poverty, food poverty, stuff like that. You know, so, and that's a lot of pressure. It's hard to be happy when you're struggling like that. Um, but you'd think that having lots of money would make you feel good, and actually it doesn't. Um, I've worked with so many people, and it is so many people, who've had so much money who are so bloody miserable. Yeah. You know, and part of their misery is money because they've got to worry about it. We have. We, 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 I'm sure we talked about this at great length in the last few months, but um, I think there is a rich and unhappy episode not too far back if you do a little search on the website. Yeah. But um, there must be some kind of sweet spot in terms of financial stability uh, where you've got enough basically to kind of not worry too much about paying the bills for a few months out or whatever it is, but not too much that you're stressing about, I don't know, like tax obligations or, you know, maybe you've got a business that you've, you've got 30, 40, 50 employees that you need to, um, to, to, to worry about. 
every month there are ongoing issues with that kind of thing so there must be a kind of sweet spot in terms of financial stability yeah I, I think that the biggest thing is if you think about money as being being a magnifying glass it just makes what you are even bigger so if someone's got an anxiety disorder and you give them a lot of money what have you got you've got anxiety on steroids you know and it's like people buy themselves a wonderful house and then spend their life being terrified that someone's going to burgle it. You know, so it creates lots of upset. So then they've got to have loads of cameras. Then they've yeah. got of cameras. And then, they, you know. There's a, I'll put it in the show notes to remind myself, but there, oh, there's a YouTube channel by a guy called NS something. He's a Turkish American guy. And he tours and does, uh, I think I have linked to it in, in the past. He tours like mega mansions in, generally in Los Angeles, but he started yeah. doing them around the world uh, now. Yeah. Um, YouTube channel. Uh, and he did one recently, actually. Uh, and I think I was fascinated by them for a while. And then I started to get a little bit bored of it because they all started to look the same, all these mega mansions with, you know, just glass everywhere and just huge, empty, like cavernous places. Uh, but he did one recently, which is for the most expensive home in Los Angeles or something, 200 and something odd million dollars for this massive, huge, 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 ridiculously massive place. You could probably, and I kind of joked on Twitter that you could probably knock it down and build like a small village for to home like five, 6,000 people. Yeah. Um, but the thing that struck me really actually about this, this kind of massive home that's for sale is that it wasn't really home. And if you did live there as a family, say you had even, even if you had five or six kids, uh, you'd just be, I think you would just be kind of crushed by the sense of like loneliness in this place because you, you, you arrive at the, the driveway and you've got to, you know, you can only really arrive by car. There's no point, you know, <laughs> don't even talk about cycling or walking. It'll take you like t- 10 minutes just to get to the front door in your car. Uh, and then you'll arrive in this, em- this empty house, which maybe once a month or once a year, you might have a massive party with like hundreds of people there and it'd be amazing. But the rest of the time you just kind of, twiddling your thumbs and it just I would just think you'd be so unhappy in a place like that and I was kind of it just freaked me out really about why we've kind of got to that point in civilization where that's for a lot of people that is what we kind of aspire to that kind of like real sense of loneliness it was quite sad but is it people aspire to it until they get it and then they realize they didn't want it maybe you know it's like that thing about people that win the lotto for there are very few people that can actually hold on to the money most people don't know what to do with it, give it away, lose it, uh, and they reduce down to an amount that they feel comfortable with. So they just um, won 10 million and they feel comfortable with 50,000. So they'll get rid of it so they get down to where they feel comfortable. Yeah. Then they're okay. You know, yeah. That kind of thing. So, I mean, we're trying to make people smile here, I guess, but yeah, one of the, maybe in a roundabout way, yeah. Don't stress too much about making bucket loads and bucket loads of cash because, uh, I think you'll, you'll probably find you'll get there and realise that it wasn't worth it. <laughs> but, the, but the issue has to be that the um, happiness in, t- in terms of money is that the money is the byproduct of you living a happy life. You know, the money doesn't create a happy life. You have to have a happy life first, and then, then the money is like a, the magnifying glass that makes it feel bigger. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So that's money. But then the second one on your list is to do with health. And as, as I've found out in the last few days... Um, I do rely more on my kind of health and well-being uh, physically than I like used to, I usually realise because I'm so used to being in pretty good nick and condition and feeling healthy that 
for the two or three days a year where I'm not 100%, uh, it's like, ugh, I'm back to, uh, yeah, feeling, feeling awful. So um, keeping yourself in good condition and doing what you can in terms of what you eat and the amount of exercise yeah. you're getting is, is important, I assume. Yeah, yeah. And, and all those things are important. It's to do with the endorphins in your brain and how they work. You have to go, go back all the time to the fact that we're hunter-gatherers. Um, as hunter-gatherers, we would really be still um, but we wouldn't run, um, um, but then we wouldn't walk either. Most hunter-gatherers kind of do, do a jogging movement, um, and they, they will run to, to catch something, get away from something, but they tend to jog about, um, uh, and they don't really walk much. You know, it's, if they're going to go down to the river, they all jog down the river. You know. Right. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, yeah, we mentioned it earlier on. There are some people... That, that kind of through no fault of their own are in, in poor health, you know, it's not because they haven't been getting enough exercise or they haven't been eating right. It's, you know, we can all be struck down by things um, completely beyond our control in many ways. Uh, so yeah. what, what are the tricks from people you've met that, that do suffer uh, in pain, constant pain maybe, or with long-term illness that still, that still managed to find joy in life and happiness and managed to smile. It's to do, it's to do with acceptance. Um, if you're resisting and fighting and rejecting, then you create tension. If you can accept the fact that you've lost a leg and you, you can kind of own it and kind of maybe accept it with love, um, it's very different. And it's like the thing uh, I've said, said on this before. Mm. The amount of people will say to me, you know what, cancer is the best thing that ever happened to me. And you think, oh, my God. But the cancer made them look at their life. It made them get things right so that they're now actually happy. Although they've got cancer, yeah, yeah, um, which is quite a powerful place to be, isn't it? It's like um, I, um, you know, yes, yes, I've had this cancer, but I survived it. Yeah, different, different perspective on life. Yeah, you know? uh, yeah, totally. There's a lady uh, that I know through church actually who's been in a lot of pain for a long time, and uh, but you wouldn't know it when you met her because she's she's kind of endlessly cheerful and you know wants to help and that kind of thing so yeah i'm really fascinated when i meet people like that that kind of manage to you know keep on going and keep on you know seeing the uh the good in life yeah yeah it's important um you yeah, talk as well that in the blog about autonomy and generosity what's the auto autonomy uh point around is that it's about? being self-determining if you're in a situation where you can make your own decisions about things um then um the, the happiness comes from getting what you want yeah um one of the worst things you ever get is as people get older especially when they're in old people's homes that kind of thing where people do things for you all the time rather than giving me the autonomy you know like oh would you like a cup of tea george yeah uh, would you like sugar in it and i can remember in some of the psychiatric units um the elderly mentally ill ones they would have a tray of maybe 20 uh, 24 mugs and they would actually have a massive teapot that they'd run down the mugs like that <laughs> yeah and then they go down two spoonfuls of sugar in each one then milk and what you got was you got a mug of quite strong tea with two spoonfuls of sugar in. Whether you wanted a mug or a cup, whether you wanted sugar or you didn't, or whether you wanted milk, that's what you got. Yeah. So there was no autonomy. You got what you were given. Mm. Yeah. And lots of people live lives like that. A lot of kids live their lives like that. But then lots of people 
when they get into relationships end up living like that they have to put up with what they put up with yeah you know um do what they're told yeah um yeah i mean i think you know i'm, I'm i have a certain brand of humor that i've kind of developed with my group of schoolmates mainly because we've got quite a unique uh sense of humor and uh can be quite biting sometimes actually and sometimes people would have come into the group and not quite <laughs> understood our humor yeah yeah uh, so humor is uh an interesting thing isn't it and you talk in the blog post a bit about kind of the the genetic side of of, of humor and like the, the the humor that we derived from our viking ancestors well the, the if you look at uh, the genetics as we've learned to, from our genome decoding things there are two particular genes, I can't remember their numbers, that are activated in the Viking, seen as the Viking genome. Uh, now, the Vikings were quite prolific, and you'll find their genes all over the world, literally. And, ah. and there's a lot of those genes um, around um, Ireland, Scotland, and certainly bits of the north of, of England here. Um, but um, there, there is something about having those Viking genes activated, which creates, uh, you know, you know that whole idea of hygge and caring and being together and having like a sense of humour and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, and um, when you've got that, those genetics working for you, it makes life easier because the baseline you're working from is is a happier baseline anyway. And it, it, think of it: if you're born into a family of miserable buggers. Part of which may be learned by them. Part of it is going could be um, uh, their own genetic structure themselves. Um, you know, you can overcome genes, and you're not limited by them. Um, you're only lim- limited by them if you allow yourself to be. Yeah. Um, but um, it's so easy to fall into the pattern of let's all be miserable and not smile. You know. Yeah. Uh, Go on. Go on. No, I'm saying. <laughs> There's like yeah, I'm sure I need I should have referenced it before we uh, came on air. But there's kind of certain things if you look at kind of comedy and humor throughout history, even going back thousands of years, that certain things that people, human beings, always found funny. I think one of the oldest kind of jokes found some Iraqi joke was around flatulence and someone breaking wind. So uh, <laughs> certain things that have always been funny. I've just started what um, like my my eldest son is ten now, so he's kind of. It's funny you know his kind of relationship with 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 kind of comedy and humor uh from kind of mr tumble on, on cbb's when he was like really young and now it obviously is his sense of humor is developing uh, as he gets older so i've started introducing him to kind of films that are a bit more uh yeah unique in terms of humor um and you know certain like spoof movies like Spaceballs, a bit of mel brooks Jewish comedy, that kind of thing, which uh, I kind of I grew up on. So it's funny. It's, it's really interesting watching his 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 humour develop, actually. Because yeah, but people find different things funny, don't they? Well, it, it's really weird for me now because a lot of the things that were considered funny and humorous when I was young would now be considered racist and politically incorrect now. Right now, I, I my father's. Um, Grandmother, his, his mother, my grandmother's, all that side were all Jewish, going back to Eastern Europe. And um, uh, they would make so many jokes about Jews, um, and they'd be quite disparaging jokes about Jews, so, so, but they'd all roar with laughter. So it would be like, um, Izzy goes round to see Manny, 
and man is scraping the wallpaper off. And, uh, and so Izzy says, Manny, you redecorate. And he says, no, I'm moving. As in, he's taking the wallpaper with him. <laughs> and, and they'd all be rolling around, tears rolling down their face. Now, that idea about a Jew being tight and taken, would that be fiscally correct thing to do now? Mm. Yeah. Do you know I, mean? I guess it's who says it, really, yeah. If kind of you're making a joke about yourself, it's different, isn't it? As you see a lot of the same in, like, uh, comedy by black black comedians, Chris Rock and that kind of thing, endlessly like taking the mickey out of yeah, kind of black his fellow black people. Uh, it's, it's fascinating, uh, but yeah, I, a lot a lot of my favourite comedians are Jewish. I kind of grew up on uh, the Marx yeah. Brothers and uh, Woody Allen, yeah. uh, even Jer- Jerry Seinfeld's more modern uh, yeah. kind of humour. He doesn't really go for like the actual kind of Jew talking about himself as Jewish much, but he's you can yeah. tell he's got that kind of. Jewish humour in him, just the way he talks and the way he kind of delivers delivers jokes. It's fascinating stuff. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. And I think yeah. it's the, I think the Mark Mark Twain is the quote: uh, "Comedy is tragedy plus time." So a lot of people, probably myself included, take you know laughing at like quite tragic things. To be honest, quite. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah. Like, yeah. It's, it's always something <laughs> the the humour is about laughing at other people's misfortunes. So it's, uh, yeah, it's a delicate kind of balance, isn't it? Uh, that you kind of learn through through trial and error about when it's when it's appropriate to make a joke about something that like someone's fallen over or something, and when it's not. <laughs> I remember uh, at, at, at school on a lunch break once we were out, and uh, an old lady slipped over uh, outside of a shop and fell, and we were so used to, to laughing. At people falling over or doing silly things at school one of my friends like pointed and laughed and the rest of us were all silent thankfully because it was quite yeah, it was quite nasty and he laughed at it and in amongst this like silence of oh my gosh is this lady all right and he learned a tricky less tough lesson that day that not everyone falling over and hurting themselves is funny <laughs> yeah, <know>? yeah. Yeah. <laughs> she was all right i'm thankful to say we kind of we helped her up and she was uh she was back to it in no time but yeah yeah. But if you think about clowns at a circus and that whole kind of slapstick thing, you know, it, it's, all of it is actually quite violent towards the individual and yet everyone's roaring with laughter. Yeah. Yeah. I know. Um, yeah. yeah, and even last week in the, uh, towards the end of the week when, when the storm, I can't remember which one it was, Eunice, I think, uh, you know, quite scary times for a lot of people, but then we all found a kind of collective happiness online i don't know if you did as well but there was that youtube channel big jet tv where they were filming yeah planes land the planes coming in at heathrow and uh i I don't know it's quite interesting really you know just watching the it was quite dicey for some of the pilots i think but um yeah yeah, they all landed and everyone was kind of quite enjoying the kind of oh here he comes here he comes away that kind of thing so yeah there was a thing that robert stuck up of um uh, two guys walking down the road, they get blown over. They actually, you know, get blown, kind of roll down the road. In the oh my gosh, right. <laughs> so, yeah. Which is hysterically funny if you're not the one being blown over. Yeah, exactly. There's humour everywhere, but you've just got to kind of, yeah, learn the hard way whether or not something is funny and hmm. when, when, it, when it's okay to laugh at it and when, and when not. Uh, yeah. So, you, what's, what's your resource of the week, Sean? Um, I think that the. Uh, the just the last bit before I get to results here is that like smiling is an attitude and it's a habit, you know, and the more you do it, the more your brain responds to it. And the, and the more you do it, the more you do it. 
Um, so it, it's a case of developing it. And, and so very often it does start smiling, it does start with the issue about you've got to fake it to make it. You know, you've got to actually do it and get your brain used to it. Um, I'm putting up uh, Emily, um, her newspaper. Yeah. Oh, it's still um, going. Love it. Yeah, yeah, which, which is amazing that it's still going. Uh, and, and all power to her. But it, it's the happy newspaper. Uh, and it's got it's got loads of amazing stuff in it. And it is, it's a real inspiration. It's good. I love it. Brilliant. Yeah, I haven't linked that for a while, nice one. Um, I'll link to a movie on Netflix, which you watched last night, called A Beautiful Day, a Beautiful Day in the Neighbourhood. Uh, Tom Hanks plays a guy called Fred Rogers, who was an American TV host in the 50s, 60s, 70s, I think. Uh, endless, mm-hmm. Endlessly cheery kind of guy, so there's lots to learn from how this guy and how he dealt with, yeah, tougher times as well, so worth watching, I think. Yeah, good. Brilliant. Uh, all right, cool. Sean, we'll be back next week with more. Thanks for your time, man. Okay. Keep smiling. You take it easy. See you, everyone. See ya. Bye. Bye.